Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. Adam, my man, how you doing? Man, hey, I'm just glad to be up here in the studio today. It was like a two-hour drive up this morning with my three-year-old, so we were listening oh, to Kids no. Bop the entire time. So oh, no. I am anxious to sit down and talk a little <laughs> football and actually have a conversation that's more than three words. <laughs> What's the uh, What Kids Bop are they on now? Is it like... 602? I yeah, don't know. I was going to say, there's a lot. I remember <laughs> when they came out the first one, they had Who Let the Dogs Out? I had that one. Yeah, I know. Hey. That, that's, why I'm, that's why I know I'm getting old. Hey, I had Jock Jams 1. Whoa. So, I mean, <laughs> so what I don't even know if you remember Jock Jams. Nah. They were probably at like 22 when you were born, so, you know. Sheesh. Yeah. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> 20, I'm 23, man, so I'm getting up there. Anyways. <laughs> So uh, we got Oregon State spring game coming up on Saturday, which yeah. is which will be nice. Uh, hopefully the weather's good, um, but it sounds like we got some. We will have some people there. We will have some recruits, and um, so I guess this can just lead us into the news and notes, man. What do you got for us? Yeah, uh, so we got a couple new offers going out on the football side of things. Um, let me pull up my notes here. My bad. Uh, let's actually start with women's basketball then. Yesterday they announced the signing of Yelena Metrovic out of Serbia. She's at 6'9 post um, that we've been reporting on her mm-hmm. commitment for the last couple months, I do believe. Uh, we're still looking to talk to her more extensively, but uh, big big win, big coup for uh, Coach Ruick and the women's program. Um, you know, she ended up choosing Oregon State over Iowa, Arizona State, and Rutgers. So uh, she was, I think, rated as like the number three international uh, okay. baller for the 2019 um, class. So I mean, it's it's a solid solid addition to the program. Really gives them that true post presence down uh, down low coming into the program. She still probably needs to develop a little bit more in her game, um, but I mean, she kind of fits that mold of a uh, Joanna Grimmick. So Ooh, that's going to be nice, man. Yeah, and then moving over to the baseball side of things, you know. Taking a step back, today's episode is going to be really heavily covered on football. We'll yeah. be getting getting out on that, so I'm going to be kind of keeping the news and notes short a little bit. Um, baseball, couple notes. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple signees here from the 2019 class. Uh, Cooper Herpy, we talked about last week. He threw his third no hitter in a row down there at Woodland High School in Woodland, California. She's act. He's actually on the bump today, looking to throw his fourth in a row. He's also getting it done uh, at the dish as well. He's hit six bombs now in the air. So he's one of those kids we had talked about last week that pro scouts are really starting to own in on and uh, evaluate to see if he's going to have the potential to go pro right out of high school or get up to uh, go college route. So we'll be catching up with him here in the next couple weeks as we kind of transition from our football coverage to baseball. Uh, Another note, though, Drew Gilbert and him seem to be in kind of a competition. Uh, The season up in Minnesota where Drew Gilbert's at in Stillwater High School um, has been pushed back because, you know, they're still getting snow out there. I don't know if you saw that, like, after the uh, the final four, they got, like, another foot of snow. So they are just getting things going out there um, for the baseball season. He threw a no-hitter the other day, so him and Cooper kind of been going back and forth on social media about uh, who's going to have more this year. Uh, looking at men's basketball, uh, they're expecting a JUCO guard, Sean Miller-Moore, this weekend for an official visit. Um, he's 6'5", so kind of fits that off-guard spot. Uh, can kind of do a little bit inside-outside game. Uh, we'll be looking to catch up with him to get his thoughts on things as that visit wraps up. 
Uh, and then transitioning over to football, we had a few new offers go out over the last couple of days. Um, and we kind of touched on this a couple of weeks ago, how they use this spring time frame to really evaluate where the athletes are at and who's developing, who might not be ready to take that next step and be a contributor. And we're starting to see that reflect on the recruiting trail as a couple of JUCO offers have been out, been extended. Uh, one to D lineman, Alex Lemon. Uh, he's out of San Diego. Uh, he's currently an Arizona State commit. He's a mid-year transfer, so he'd be looking to get out of uh, out of there, out of the JUCO ranks in December and making his way to the school of his choice. They're going to have an uphill battle kind of getting him to flip from his commitment from Arizona State. Um, then you look at the other side of the line. Uh, they went into Arizona at South Point Catholic and offered uh, offensive guard Bruno Fina. He's a 6'4", 240 pounds right now, so he's a little on the the lighter side, really looking for him to grow into a senior year and probably a little bit of developing. He kind of reminds me of a, a Joshua Gray, who's gray-shirted for Oregon State and is mm-hmm. now down in his first spring camp right now. Uh, has the frame definitely to add on the weight necessary to be competitive at the uh, D1 level, um, but we'll have to you know continue to see how he develops throughout the summer and uh, into the fall. Another, the last new offer that was extended uh, went out to familiar recruiting grounds for Oregon State fans, Mission Viejo, California. Uh, that Mission Viejo program produced JoJo Forrest and Akili Arnold, who signed with the 2019 class. 2020, they already offered Keanu Tanuvasa, uh, it was a big D tackle, um, and they went back there and they offered uh, just the other day strong side defensive end Lance Kennelly, um, and they're his what I think sixth offer or something like that. Excuse me, fourteenth offer. Um, joining the ranks of like Utah, Boise State, Colorado, some other Pac-12 programs there in the mix. Uh, just talked to him. He's really excited about the offer from Oregon State and really feels like. Even though they might be perceived to be late to the party in offering him, he's going to give them a strong consideration moving forward. And he's look, he's already working to get up to Corvallis to really take in everything because he's heard such good things from JoJo and Akili and uh, Keanu Tanovasa, who had visited last week. So promising. We'll have to see how that plays out here over the next few weeks, though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I just think, like you said, in the springtime, you, you could tell who <laughs> the coaches think are going to need a little more development or what position groups because when you extend the offer out – Especially if it's a JUCO guy, I don't want to say it's bad news because it's certainly not. It's mm-hmm. just the fact that they understand what their situation is, which for people who don't know, that's something that I know for a fact that we, <laughs> when I played, they didn't do a great job of with the last staff is understanding what they needed to get at a certain time and then, you know, kind of in a way bulking up that position group. Instead, they were they were kind of like, okay, well, let's just hope this guy can step up to the plate, which Definitely. it sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't, but you know, being realistic in college football, it's you play your best players, and so if you have a chance to get a be, you know a better player, then you're going to have to do that right and make your position group that much stronger, or at least push the envelope a little bit and make the guys compete. You know, that's something that we're seeing at quarterback now. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone thought Tristan Jebby was going to kind of come in and, and steal the spot easily, but now we can see that Jake Luton is playing a lot better as well because you know Tristan Jebby has probably pushed him and he understands that it's a competition. Who you know we still have. This spring, Jebby had just, you know, I think he got here in fall. He got right? here, yeah. It uh, was like early to mid-September last year. Okay, yeah. So, you know, he's been here for a little while, but, you know, there's a difference between not even being here a full year compared to being here for, you know, 
three years, right? And so that that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, and I mean, when Tristan got here, he was really running that scout offense, mm-hmm. so he wasn't even fully immersed into what Coach Lindgren and Coach Smith really wanted to do. He was yeah. more mimicking, uh, you know, the opponents and such. There. That's something to certainly keep in mind, just especially when offers are going out, understanding that even sometimes if the coaches, you know, push them out to JUCO guys, it doesn't mean that that position group is terrible. It just, you know, in a way it just means that they understand that, okay, maybe we need more depth, maybe we need a guy who's faster, maybe we need a guy who's heavier, whatever that is, right? You just have to, you're you're basically playing chess Mm -hmm. and trying to find the right, you know, group of kids to put out there that are going to produce, you know, either the most sacks, the most tackles. Sometimes it's situational, right? If it's a third down, are you going to have a guy who can't move? No, you know, if it's... If it's third and long, excuse me, but if it's, say, fourth and inches, you're going to have your heavy guys in there, right? It's just identifying what you need for a certain uh, for a certain situation. I think that the staff has done a great job of doing that. And I, I, I completely agree. And I know in the lodge at Beaver Blitz, you know, we've had many discussions already um, about recruiting philosophies and that kind of stuff. And really, when you look back at that 2019 signing class that is starting to arrive in Corvallis mm-hmm. with the early enrollees and the summer, the rest of the class will arrive, I think that kind of gets lost in the evaluation process, like how good of a fit um, they were in, in identifying talent and identifying athletes who would be more immediate, like an Omar Spates uh-huh. or bringing in the transfers who will fit that role of being able to go out there and compete day one. And then also guys, complimentary pieces that, uh, you know, might, might not have that immediate impact, uh, part to them, but they have a high upside where they can continue to develop mm-hmm. over the next couple of years before they're expected to be contributors. Right. Guys like Ryan Frankie and Michael Erhard out of uh, SoCal or uh, and Alex Austin, who probably needs to add some weight, or JoJo Forrest, yeah. some of those guys, they have extremely high upside, but you got to give them that time to really get into the program, develop, uh, get acclimated to the, the pace of D1 football. Right, and, and I think something that not a lot of people understand completely is you know, these are what seventeen to eighteen year old kids. You come in going up against twenty two and twenty, sometimes even twenty three year olds, yeah. right? You're going up against guys who are older, stronger, faster, understand the game, and have been there, right? So you don't come in and play right away unless you're really that next level kind of guy, and that's something to keep in mind because it's so hard to adjust. And uh, and I went through it just like everybody else did, right? I was, you know, I, I could probably tell you in high school I probably got touched. 15 times right in my first three games and then I get to you know I get to college and and I'm not even the fastest guy like not I wouldn't say not even close because I, I would say I'm still towards you know the top fastest guys but even then right if yeah. I'm if I break free guys can run me down so that's what you have to understand is that you know there's everybody on your college football team they were the man in high school and yeah. so that's what you know, these players are going to have to understand, but it just comes with development. It just comes with time. I think the staff does a great job, and they have done a great job of at least showing progress and showing that these players are getting better because rather than, you know, feeding into all the hype, doing all the hype kind of things, right? Like, I don't know, uh, saying, you know, posting reps of somebody mm-hmm. benching however much pounds for however many reps, right? Instead, 225, yeah, 25 reps. Right, and, and I get that. That's cool. Don't get me wrong. Congrats whoever can do that. But yeah. I'm saying, like, I think this coaching staff and their mentality is just different, right? They're not Definitely. They're not into that. They just want to win football games because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Hey, and, you know, you were out at the Damn City Showcase this mm-hmm. last weekend. 
Speaking of those guys who can come out and really contribute immediately, be that man, what do you think of Jordan Whitley? Yeah, that kid's a freak, man. I mean, <laughs> that's – and I, I don't know if I – I think I'm going to hold myself accountable and said I did not see him coming in and being that big of uh, impact. Maybe I did. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but my goodness, man, he – He's mobile. He's big. I think he's like 300 pounds probably. Yeah, he's like three plus. Oh, my goodness. 300 I mean, pounds. He's mobile. And what I was always preaching is that they don't have, they didn't have a guy. They had Elu who's big and, and could, you know, really be an anchor in the middle. But what good is an anchor if they can't move side to side? And so I think at one point I saw Jordan Whitley and Elu on the field at the same time. And Elu's lost some weight. Elu's athletic. And he can run. He can move now. So yeah. that's. That's something that we haven't seen from him, and I, I think he's really taken you know, his final season seriously. Unfortunately, it's taken this long, but hey, man, I get it. It's your, it's your you know, last hurrah, so you better make a statement, and that's what he's doing. And so yeah. him and Jordan Whitley in the middle, they're mobile. They could, they, the biggest thing, if you could run sideline to sideline at 300 pounds, you're going to be a pretty damn good player, and that's what they've done. And um, you know, some people said – and even myself, I was like, "Is the defensive line really this be- You know, this good, or mm-hmm. is the offensive line? You know, have have they taken a step back?" But at some point, we have to finally give them credit. I think a lot of the time we question them too much. You know, out of everybody, I would say it's me who questions them the most. But uh, you know, him, Jordan Whitley, and Elu, they looked like next level players, and they look like guys that. Oregon State hasn't had in quite some time that can really make a difference on the defensive line. So it's it was a refreshing sight. It was cold in there, so I was, you know, I, I obviously wasn't probably in the best <laughs> mood being out there. But uh, man, it hey. it was good. But it was good to see the defensive line have some life and have kind of a heartbeat. Hey, you don't gotta lie. Angie yeah. told me you guys were up in the press box the entire Ooh. time, so it wasn't that cold. Oh, Come on, uh, oh, exposed. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm just playing. It was cold. <laughs> yeah, it was cold and wet from yeah. everything I heard. Yeah, it was freezing. But yeah. yeah, man, they had some life, and so that's something I think is really it, it was really refreshing to see, it, and it made me feel at least a little more confident about what the coaches have done. Definitely, and you know, I'm I'm glad we're talking about the defensive line right now because that's really been a point of emphasis for um you know coach leggy and his recruiting stuff right now he's able to host a couple uh, athletes over the the uh the last couple weeks on campus for unofficial visits and really try to sell his vision um including uh keanu tanavasa who we kind of talked about in news and notes up from mission viejo and uh, another one of their top targets is defensive end deshaun lynch out of folsom high school mm-hmm. the powerhouse down there just outside of uh sacramento um you know they're consistently ranked in the top 25 uh lynch had a good time up here this last week he was up friday on campus wasn't able to take him practice but was really rolled out that red carpet um while he was up here and then he went down to eugene spent saturday down there but i think marcus you were able to uh take a look at his film you, I was. you ready to go next level uh-huh. on uh deshaun lynch yes sir i'm ready to go next level let's do it yep. so deshaun lynch um i don't have his i don't have his Height or weight? I think he's like. Was he like six? He's a solid six, like six four yeah. two thirty five something right now. Yeah, I, I can pull that up here. So real we could just quick. say, yeah, we could say six four two thirty five two forty. Yeah. Regardless, as long as it's not like five eight one sixty five, <laughs> you know, we'll be good. Yeah, absolutely. But what what really stood out to me about his game was, uh, and I think what Coach Smith and his staff are doing now are finding these mobile defensive linemen and defensive ends, and you need to find those guys because. In the Pac-12 in the past, I think what the last staff did was get these guys who were just these big anchors. We put a bunch of weight on them, 
and we'd kind of just have them sit in the middle, right? And it's cool, yeah, because you can block up the middle, but I don't, I don't know what the whole point was because we're not the SEC. Yeah. We're the Pac-12. So what is the Pac-12 known for was speed and athleticism. The field. Yeah, guys are going to spread the field, and they're going to attack the edges. So this coaching staff wanted to get guys who run side to side, and I really think Lynch is that guy. He has the size. He really reminds me in a way of Scott Crichton. Scott Crichton could do those kind of things. He was big. I, I would say he was bigger, but he could move side to side. But Lynch has – he's really good with his hands. He really is great with initial contact. He's fast into the backfield. He can explode off the line in that stand-up two-point position and really get in the backfield. And what I really liked is he might not get the sack every time, but just that that constant kind of annoying bug in a quarterback's ear, that plays a big part because every single time he, at least from his film, and this is something that we don't always think about, and especially me, is, okay, you might not get the sack every time, but he kind of has that little nastiness in him that every time he gets the chance, he's going to hit the quarterback. Yeah. And not a lot of guys do that, right, with the new flags and, oh, or yeah. with the new penalties. But he that's what I like. I like guys who want to <laughs> hurt the quarterback. Uh, defensive line, you know, it, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds bad, but it's true, right? And he has that. And in his film, there's plenty of times where the quarterback was, you know, he got the ball out like right before he was able to tackle him. But, man, he still laid a, a massive mean hit on the quarterback and – those are the kind of things I think that really build up your defensive line. You'll have you'll have nastiness. You can have explosiveness. Some fast guys that can run side to side. Say they do a stretch play to the left, and he's on the right. He can run across the field. Get mm-hmm. it? That's what that's what you really want, right? Yeah. Because it's going to be like that, especially as a running back. You always learn to cut back, mm-hmm. and so if you keep learning to cut back, and you have a guy who can run side to side defensive line. That's big, and that's going to prevent a lot of those big time runs and big time plays that we see because that's what Oregon State has. You know, they suffered a lot of that. Yeah. Especially, a good example was Arizona State and Eno Benjamin. That's what he did to Oregon State a lot. He found the creases, especially on the cutbacks. And as soon as he, you know, planted his foot, got vertical, he would cut back and then find the lane again, and then just take off. And there'd right? be nobody there. Exactly, nobody there because the yeah. defensive line wasn't fast enough to get back or at least some call it scrapes, whatever you want to call it, basically hold that backside of the defensive line. And Mm -hmm. so he could really be a guy to do that, but the biggest thing that stood out to me was just his explosiveness, his speed, mobility, and then nastiness because we don't. you can never have too many defensive linemen, right? And especially if you get defensive linemen who are nasty and you just – I think that's a lot of what the – um, Fiesta Bowl team had was some nasty defensive oh, line. Yeah, the president's and, there. Exactly, and that's yeah. what you need. And so you get those guys to get in a quarterback's face constantly, and it's going to make a quarterback uncomfortable. And more importantly, it's always going to have him thinking a little too much and thinking a little extra, saying, okay, maybe I have to get the ball out a second faster because I don't want to be hit and take the sack. And that stuff really plays a big part in you know why some defensive linemen are good and why some aren't, right? If, yeah. if as a group you could do that, then you could, if you could, t- basically, if you could terrorize any quarterback, you guys are going to be good. You'll oh, be, yeah. you'll be set up to be um, a very successful group. But I do want to see improvement from him. I think he plays a little high right now, and I always say there's certain things that basically you can break down any high school player's film, and they're all the same, right? Mm-hmm. And so something that is at least it's always hips, it's playing too high or not being too physical, mm-hmm. and. He just plays a little high right now. I mean, he's a he's a big kid at six three, six four, right? It's yeah. it's hard to get low, but just imagining 
him when he can play a little lower because he already has you know the speed and the mobility but you you know you just put a little more explosiveness and it's not even by putting on weight or muscle it's just understanding that maybe a little more forward lean right or a little lower shoulder pads whenever you do that it's gonna it's gonna make you such a better player and he that's that's what I want to see from him because I just after watching his film just seeing that I'm like if he was a little lower like an inch lower he's taking on like two or three guys he could take on four to five right? yeah. like it's just crazy there's plenty of times where he was just filling up the middle of the defense or the the edge of the defense and there was a tight end a tackle a pulling guard a <laughs> running back a slot receiver coming out and he's taking all those guys on right yeah the, you know and that's what I'm saying is you don't want them to get under your pads but he's strong enough and better than a lot of those guys that he doesn't have to get that low but like we said, come to college, you're going to need that. So imagining that and him getting a little lower, whew, he, he's going to be he's going to be a good player if the Oregon State can get him. Definitely, and you know I think his film's a little deceiving. I'm looking up his profile right now. He's six four two eighty. I didn't think Ooh. he was that heavy. Whoa! Yeah. I mean that might be a little exaggerated, but I mean at the least he's probably two sixty five, something like that already. Yeah, that's a. Uh... <sighs> Six, I mean, four, he, 280? He, he moves. Yeah, he moves for 280. Ooh, yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Coach Smith and his staff, they're smart, man. Yeah. They're getting some they're getting some smart players. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he like I said, you know, Marcus broke down the film. He was up on campus this last weekend. Uh Oregon, Oregon State are definitely two teams that are pushing hard for him. He's also got Arizona State, Tennessee, and USC currently standing out. So up for some stiff competition. But I think, you know, with any of these athletes that Oregon State's recruiting, it's that opportunity to come in and really compete right off the bat mm-hmm. you know um there's that opportunity and if he's wanting to do that oregon state might be the best fit yeah we'll have to see how it goes yeah we will have to see how it goes and i think what i like about coach smith as well is that's a good pitch to have and i think he he uses that pitch but i think it's more i think they're getting away from it now right and mm-hmm. realistically right if you're not a great football team. Younger guys could come in and have better opportunities to play, but I think what Coach Smith and his staff are doing now is kind of trying to get away from that. You come here and play right away. It's more of a, okay, we this is our vision. We're gonna we we can do this. We have this. We need to put this together. But the end result obviously is A, B, or C, right? Yep. Whatever it is. But I think they're really going away from the. It sound it and to me, it sounds a little bit like settling. Like okay. You know, you can go win a bunch of games or you can come here and play right away, right? And yep. and that's what I think they're starting to get away from, it sounds like. Um, just by the way he's talking, by the way he kind of carries and expectations he has for his team, I kind of like that they're getting away from that. That is a good pitch to use yeah. for some guys, but like we like we were saying off-airs, everyone needs to find kind of their niche. And Oregon State, they have to find theirs. If it's, you know, the, the playing right away can only work for so long because then eventually – you're going to win games. Yep. And then it's not going to be you can come here and play right away because we have better guys ahead of you. Exactly. So then what are you going to do? What are you going to say to these kids? And what vision are you selling them really that they're going to come here and really see it and be like, okay, Oregon State is the place I want to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Absolutely. Well, I know we're going to be transitioning over here to uh, kind of dissecting some of the athletes that are going to be on campus here this weekend for the spring game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we got a couple – uh, really good phone calls coming up on the damn hotline. Yeah, we, we got do. Uh, Greg Biggins and Brandon Huffman coming up, but I figured we should probably talk about uh, just highlighting some of the athletes that we're expecting on campus mm-hmm. before we get into the deeper dive with, uh, you know, two of the guys that make twenty four seven sports so special and yeah, so let's do it so renowned. Um, 
So this weekend, it's kind of uh, it's going to be a big recruiting weekend. Uh, a lot of local prospects going to be on hand um, from throughout the Pacific Northwest, but there are definitely some athletes that uh, are high up on the the coaching staff's wish list per se. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last week we talked about uh, quarterback C.J. Stroud of Ranch out of Rancho Cucamonga. He's expected to be on campus this weekend. It's believed he's kind of the uh, the number one quarterback on uh coach Lindgren's list right now um you know you were saying last week marcus he really kind of compares to a marcus mcmarion coming out yeah, of high school he does right? just a guy that you know he might not have the strongest arm not saying he doesn't have a strong arm because he does it's just when you 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 find certain guys that they might not be absolutely you know amazing in one certain category but they're pretty damn good in all their categories right so that's just flat out being a baller and um, I would almost rather take a flat-out baller than take a robot, right? Just a quarterback Definitely. that will just sit back there and kind of, um, you know, say, okay, I'm going to read my one. Okay, now my two. Now my three. I'm going to count to three. And if he's not there, I'm going to throw the ball out of bounds or I'm going to take, you know, I'll take the sack, right? Yeah. At some point, you're going to want to be like, okay, check my one, two, three. Okay, nothing's happening. I'm going to move, you know. Use, escape. Yeah, I'm going to escape. Try to buy some time for the receivers to get free. If not, I can take off and run, run out of bounds, pick up a couple extra yards, right? Mm-hmm. You just want athletes and playmakers, and he really reminds me of that. Definitely. And uh, he'll have the opportunity to kind of bond with uh, a running back potential backfield mate and uh, running back Marshawn Buchanan uh, out of Adelanto. Uh, I know both of these athletes, Greg Biggins is going to be able to talk more extensively about, but uh, Buchanan is really kind of an under-recruited guy right now. Uh, yeah, he might have you know, half dozen offers or so, but he's from Adelanto, which is a really small town outside of, uh, uh, the, the inland empire down there in LA area. So he kind of, you know, in a way you don't want to label him as being kind of under the radar because mm-hmm. he's in such a densely yeah. populated area, but he might be a sneaky guy, um, to kind of get up here and fit that mold of potential big time backs at Oregon state. Uh, he's already five eleven. uh, what 190 something like that and he had huge production last year i think he broke the 2000 yard mark from uh rushing yards and such and i think he had 30 touchdowns or something like that but uh definitely the the ability to kind of pair them both up on campus might be a good selling point and uh hopefully you know they'll be able to really sell that vision for them um, when they're up here this weekend. Absolutely. And if we kind of look at the Bay Area recruits and kind of more local recruits, you got, uh, I guess we should highlight linebacker John Miller, mm-hmm. the first and only Beaver commit so far. He'll be on campus, hopefully be able to do some peer-to-peer recruiting and uh, help sell the vision of the coaches even when they're more occupied with a spring game. Uh, another in-state kid who's going to be on campus, Jason Walling, uh, junior. He's a legacy athlete uh, out of McNary High School there in Salem. Uh, he's got five offers. Just talked to him last night. He is really excited to get down to campus just to see kind of the progress that's being made through this spring. And that's something that um, especially the defensive coaches right now are really hammering home on um, the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, don't judge us off of last year's production. We're making growth each and every day we're out there. Yeah. And even over this last month, Jason was one of the first guys to get onto campus during spring camp. Hey, we're, we've made a lot of growth just in this last month in spring camp. And so that's something he's really looking forward to seeing as well. Uh, another big time athlete that's going to be on campus top, uh, I do believe is a top 100 uh, athlete right now, rated by 24 7 Sports. 
Uh, he's a four-star. He's the 26th, 28th best defensive tackle, Jamar Sakona, out of Marin Catholic um, there in the Bay Area. 6'3", 305. Um, Big-time target. We, the Beavers were his first offer. He's from the same high school as former Beaver quarterback commit Spencer Petras, who ended up flipping to Iowa there late in the process when uh, Coach Smith took over. Uh, but they've been able to develop this relationship with Jamar, and we'll have to see how they stack up this weekend. And anytime you get a kid on campus, it's an opportunity to show them what you're all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got some big time offers, Nebraska, Oregon, that kind of stuff, who we might be looking more in depth at right now. But getting them on campus, you have that opportunity, and we'll have to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last kind of big high profile kid that's expected on campus this weekend is uh, quarterback Jay Butterfield out of uh, the Bay Area as well. Um, I'm sure Brandon Huffman will be able to, to, well, we hope he'll be able to talk a little bit more about Jay um, this afternoon. He's at Liberty High School there in Brentwood. Uh, big kid, 6'6", 180, um, but he's not one of those pocket passers like you know the robots yeah. that you kind of see. He has some mobility to him, able to escape the pocket. He's a top 50 athlete right now, according to 24-7 Sports. Um, he, he is a legacy to Stanford, so mm. his dad played there, so we'll have to see how that kind of plays out. Um, but again, get them on campus, show them what you're all about. Absolutely, that's what so. I mean. That's what you have to do. You have to make them feel at home, right? Yep. And it's not, <clears throat> it's not like a, a car dealership, right? Oregon State's not going to flash you into, you know, really saying, "Oh, okay, this is the place I want to go." Because you know, realistically, it's just that's just not it, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people think that that's what recruiting is all about, but it's not. It's just if the kid feels like it's an opportunity that he, that is going to benefit him more at one school than the other, then you can't really be mad at him for it, right? But the more that, you know, you, you kind of just show him that Oregon State is the place that he, you know, that he belongs, that he's going to be taken care of, then I think these kind of kids are going to want to be there, right? And that's, that's really the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, you know, we always say the recruiting pitch, like, how are you going to pitch it to them? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? But at the end of the day, it's winning games. You win games, people want to play, right? Yeah. People want to play for you. So if they see that, you know, you're primed to have a good season, you're primed to have a good next couple of seasons, then they're going to want to play. And that's and that's why I have a lot of confidence in Coach Smith and his staff because it might not be, you know, selling themselves like that, you know, on social media, on uniforms, but what they can do is sell you on showing you progress and then eventually hopefully it comes to winning games because at the end of the day that's what you know that's what gets fans in seats definitely mm-hmm. but hey don't take our word on it i mean we're gonna move over to the damn hotline i think right now yeah absolutely uh i think we got greg biggins coming on greg first. biggins so yeah we'll give yep. him a buzz yep we got greg biggins and we'll have brandon huffman our first guest on the damn hotline is greg biggins 24 7 national recruiting analyst uh, Greg, first of all, we want to say thank you so much for hopping on the damn hotline, my man. We appreciate it. Hey, man, my pleasure. Always good to talk about those damn beavers. Want <laughs> to say that? Yeah, I man. don't cuss much. I just that just came naturally. I don't even I don't even swear, but it just came out. <laughs> it sounds good, man. We like the flow with this. Sounds good. You know, we could just, maybe we could just start calling them the damn beavers. Hey, whatever works, you know. <laughs> hey, dude, got we got to get some wins, but we'll call them whatever they can, uh, whatever we can, right? Yes, sir. So, Greg, you're down there in the L.A. area, kind of, you know, you've been in the, the business for a long time. Um, kind of, what do you what do you see in Oregon State down there right now? How are they, what's their impact? What's kind of the word of mouth down in the L.A. area about them? 
Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's positive. You know, I think Johnson Smith's come in and a lot of energy. Uh, you know, good staff. Michael Petrie's a former SoCal guy, so he's kind of been the lead recruiter around a lot of the players out here, and he's very well liked, very well respected, works hard. I, I actually covered Michael when he was a player, so it kind of shows how old I am in this business. But uh, no, it's been like I said, it's been very positive. Everything you hear from going on the visits, you know, unofficial trips to Oregon State, and a lot of a lot of. You know, I haven't heard really anything negative. Again, the only thing you'll you'll hear is, you know, hey, let's get some wins, right? You just want to see that on the field success. But from a recruiting standpoint, and just from a, you know, how hard the staff is working, I think they're doing a lot of, a lot of good, connecting well with players and coaches and families right now. You know, I always think that con- the connection between a player and the coaches is extremely important. Do you think, because just what I've seen, it looks like Coach Petrie is kind of the personality of this coaching staff. You know, can you kind of you talked about it a little bit, but what do you think stands out about Coach Petrie the most that really makes kids connect with him? Because you know, I've only I've had a chance to talk to him a couple times, and you know, when we see each other, we'll say what's up. But it, there's just something about him; he kind of radiates this positive energy, man. So, could you just talk a little bit about what you think Coach Petrie brings to just the recruiting table? I should say. Yeah, I mean, just a good dude. You know, I mean, just a good guy. He's not fake. You know, kids are smart. I think this day and age, you know, recruiting has drastically changed in the last, you know, 20 years from when I kind of first started. You know, there, it, it, it's social media now where it's coaches reaching out via text, via DM on Twitter or, or whatnot. And so I think kids can kind of tell if a coach is real or if he's kind of just, you know, going through the motions. And I think with, with, with Mike, he's a genuine good person. He's young. Uh, so he, you know, kind of can speak their language. You know, he's not one of these old guys that's trying too hard. I'm not going to name names, but you see a lot of older coaches who try to maybe try to talk in an accent or just be, you know, just kind of, it's just kind of lame. Whereas Petrie, man, he, he's just genuine. He's real. And I think, uh, and I think the biggest thing with, with Michael, you know, he works hard. He works hard at it. And you got to be a coach this day and age. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of it, but like every kid wants as much love as possible. You know, keep hearing that, you know, oh, there's so many a lot of love. Like kids are going to pick a school based on how hard you recruit them, which mm-hmm. again, I, I'm not a huge fan of that, but I guess you kind of have to keep up with the Joneses. And so with, with Peach, man, he works hard and talks to a lot of kids and say, hey, you know, who's recruiting the hardest? Uh, and you'll, you'll often hear Michael's name. So mm-hmm. he, he's, he's really getting after it. And, uh, you know, I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, it probably helps that he knows the, the, uh, LA area so well you know he grew up down there um, went to school down there at UCLA and has really come up through the same ranks so he, he's really relatable in that sense then as well so the, the word relatable I, I think is key right there I mean he's easy to talk to he's uh, you hear a lot of kids say you know he's not just about football Tim we can talk about life we can talk about you know our issues our problems so um, no I, I think that's what that's what it's all about you you got to be relatable and you got to kind of build that connection that bond with the kids and he does a really good job with it cool definitely well hey you know we got the spring game coming up this weekend so we kind of wanted to talk about some of the the visits that have taken place with you um, throughout spring camp here and then really highlighting some of the athletes who are expected on campus uh, this weekend uh, so you know Marcus and I have in previous episodes really talked about Jake Overman and some of those kids who have been up here already this spring. What's your take on Jake and Mason West and uh, Keanu Tanovasa? Yeah, I like all of them. Obviously, you know, Tanovasa, there's the connection with the Keely Arnold teammates, and I think we might have him listed as a defensive end. He's actually probably going to be a D tackle. He, you know, you know those Polynesians. You know, they don't they don't get much smaller when they get to college. They're already about two seventy, two seventy five, so he'll probably be two ninety. 
by his sophomore junior year. So I see him as an inside guy, but uh, I'm a fan. I, I think he's good. It's a really good program at Mission Diego High School. Those, those guys come out of there well-coached, uh, great work ethic. They're, they win consistently. And I think with Keanu, for me, I think he's a really talented defensive lineman, multi, multi-positional guy. Overman, uh, when the top tight ends out west, he's, uh, I think a lot of, nowadays you see a lot of tight ends, kind of more hybrid wide receivers. I think Jake's kind of a throwback. He's a, you know, kind of an every down tight end. He's a big, strong kid. He actually embraces blocking. So he's, a, like I said, he's a guy who can do some things in the passing game, but he also is a pretty strong inline blocker. Same thing with Mason, Mason West. I actually saw him at a tournament when he was in eighth grade. And he already looked like he was a junior in high school, just big, strong kid. Probably not the athlete that Overman is, if you're kind of comparing those two guys as a tight end. Uh, but another guy who's physical, uh, a willing blocker, pretty solid hands. Uh, for me, Overman is a guy who I like a lot. I think he's a, a double-digit offer guy, if not now, pretty soon. I think a lot of schools are kind of really excited about him. So all three guys uh, are all, I think, quality Pac-12 players for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Marcus, one of the things that we do every week is we go next level, really dissecting a, an athlete. Uh, last week, Marcus highlighted uh, Jake Overman. And I think you pretty much reinforced or echoed a lot of the things that Marcus picked up on watching his film. Um, yeah, it, it was it's his athletic ability. But you're right. He, he just has this kind of old school tight end kind of game t- that he plays. It's like you said, he embraces the blocking, and that's what I think is extremely important because at this point, you're right, most of the tight ends are going to come in. They're going to be hybrid guys, right? You can put them out. Um, they're not just going to you know, sit down and basically block the whole time. So if you can get a guy, like I always say, that's athletic, you know, it, it's a huge plus. But with him, he's athletic, but he also embraces that physicality and just the mentality that if he gets his hands on a guy, that he's going to drive him into the ground. I think that is extremely big, but... That's just something I feel like you don't see anymore in a tight end. So I, you know, I kind of circled his name when I was looking at kind of who Oregon State was interested in. I was like, that's that's another guy that we have to get because if Oregon State gets him, I think he will just mold right into that great group of tight ends that they already have. And then, like you said, when people get to college, they don't get any smaller. So, you know, put an extra 10, 15 pounds with some speed on him. Man, I think he can be a serious player. Yeah, I mean, the survey program he's at right now, they've been down for a few years. They're in the Trinity League, which, you know, for those who don't know, obviously you guys know, but maybe listeners, Trinity League is probably the toughest league in the country. That's St. John Bosco. That's modern day. Um, you know, that's Servite. That's Jay Sarah High School. And they got a new coach who came in last year, Troy Thomas. And one thing about Troy Thomas, he kind of instills toughness, edge, physicality, playing through the whistle. People don't like to play against them. They're those teams that just kind of keep hitting at you. They'll talk to you. They'll taunt you. Um, and, and they're just extremely, extremely physical. I mean, Troy, the head coach, works out with the players at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's insane. They're, they're college, I just got an email today. Their college showcase is at 6.15 a.m. Oh. And I replied back. Oh. I go, dude, are you kidding me right now? And, it, it like, I, I have no problem – I'm not a morning person. I'll be honest with that. I, I love these college showcases. They're fun to go to. I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm going to your college showcase at 6:15. That's kind of how Survey does it. They're just kind of unique and and different that way. So that's kind of the program that Jake's coming from, a program where, and I know you know this, Marcus. You can't play at the next level if you're not tough. Oh, you know, absolutely. I've seen guys not. that aren't necessarily. I mean, you can be slow-ish. You can be not super big. You cannot play if you're not tough. Mm-hmm. And, and I think. One thing about, you know, players coming out of Southern California pains me to say that sometimes they kind of have a soft 
reputation. But one thing about Jake and that program is if you recruit Servite kids and you recruit a guy like Overman, they're getting a guy who's tough and physical and kind of plays that little bit of an edge, which you'd love to see, obviously. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we I think Adam actually – Adam, you got another question? Well, we just want to keep rolling hey, with this. I was thinking, let's just keep rolling. Yeah, let's keep rolling with it, um, man. He he was kind of – man, he makes me – every time I hear people, <laughs> these national recruiting analysts, I'm just like, do I really know football like I think I know football? Because I'm like, my goodness. They just gave me the full laydown. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I think he's fast. I think he's athletic. But then, Greg, you just gave me another full laydown. So I was like, now nah, I got to go re- reevaluate if I know football as much as I think I do. <laughs> But uh, we'll let you keep rolling, man. Adam, what do you got next yeah, for him? Uh, you know, you brought up uh, Mission Viejo and kind of the program right there. I know this weekend some 2019 signees are going to be on campus as well. And Alex Austin and JoJo Forrest. Uh, Forrest in particular, I know you were really high on in the recruiting process as he was going through it. What can Beaver fans kind of expect uh, from him once he's actually up on campus? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a playmaker. You know, he's a guy who either side of the ball, you know, he's always been a corner. And last year at Mission Viejo, uh, they were a little bit down wide receiver-wise, so they put him over there, and, and he was explosive and just a dynamic guy with, with the ball in his hands. And really, honestly, he was—I'll be—he was better than I expected him, him to be. He was—he was a much better player than I anticipated. Just uh, you know, the, the guy you know made a little five-yard hitch and makes three guys miss and goes to the house, or just running straight straight by people. Like I did not know he had that kind of you know overall athletic ability. He's always been trained as a corner. I think I believe that's where he's coming in to play corner mm-hmm. for the Beebs. Yep. And, it was, again, long arms. Um, probably Right now, probably more quick than fast. He's not a, not, a, not a burner, but he is getting faster. He's got Again, last year I think he did a nice job. It was kind of just improving his overall top-end speed and athleticism. But he's a guy just really instinctive. And you kind of watch him play where he you know, jumps a route or, um, you know, it just seems to be, you know, Achilles Arnold, same way. These guys just seem to be a little bit a step ahead of everybody else in the field. Just kind of, again, it's all about instincts and feel. And I think JoJo's a guy who, you know, he's super thin. If, if you see him and he's out there, you're going you're gonna to be like, dude, this guy is, you know, he looks like he weighs a buck fifty. He probably weighs more than that, but he just looks like he's, like he's that skinny. So he'll need to put on some weight, get a little, you know, a little stronger. But, again, the, the toughness is there. The physicality is there. And I think once he gets that exercise and strength, he's gonna he has a chance to be a really special player. I think he's like an all Pac-12 potential for me. I, I think he's got a chance to be really good. Definitely, and I think uh, Oregon State fans are no stranger to uh, guys who tend to come in on the program on the thinner side. I immediately jump to James Dockery coming mm-hmm. in, and I mean I could have wrapped my fingers, you know, my hand around his his ankles when he came in. But uh, definitely, I, I think JoJo Forrest is an exceptional talent as well. And then you said kind of instincts and stuff, and I think that kind of fits into Alex Austin then too from uh, LB Pauly. Um, you know, I think he kind of got overshadowed by the Markham twins, but he he was named league MVP, I do believe, for both sides of the ball or player of the year this last fall. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure, honestly. You, you might know that better than I do. It might have been a. It might have been was that is that for Pauly? Is that for the whole league? Was he the uh, league MVP? Or I think I think it was league or conference MVP, but I, I could be yeah. wrong on that too. I'm drawn no, off I mean, the top of my head. He had a good head. year. Alex had a good year. You know, he played Long Beach Pauly again, legendary program. You know, people talk about them more players in the NFL than any other high school program, and uh, so Alex is coming coming up from that kind of pedigree. Uh, long athletic kid, I think six one six two kid. Um, long arms, just really looks the part, and, and had a, made a big jump. Didn't play a ton as a junior, and he made a big jump going into his senior year where he was 
um, you know, a lockdown corner could also probably slide and play some, some safety, although I do feel he has corner athleticism, but I think he's got kind of the positional versatility to, to maybe move around a little bit and play some nickel, play some safety, wherever you need him to play. I think he's got a chance to play there. And so Pauly played, you know, a really, really tough nominee schedule. Their, their, their league is really weak. This, the moral league doesn't have another team who, you know, I, I think even is, is a, you know, a, a real challenge for them. But their non-league schedule was extremely tough, and he played really well in some big games. So I, I like Alex, too. I think, again, uh, upside guy, long-term potential guy, has a chance to be a very good player for the Beavs down the road. Perfect. And then, you know, with the spring game coming in this weekend, they're expecting a few kids out of the L.A. area. Uh, probably the headliners would be uh, C.J. Stroud and Marshawn, Marshawn Buchanan um, out of Adelanto. Uh, what do you know about C.J. Stroud and Marshawn? So Marshawn, we'll just go with him first. Running back, I, I believe he just visited Washington State, and they made a pretty big impression on him. I, I like him. He's easily one of the top – I'd probably say one of the top two or three running backs in the Southern California area, although it's a little bit down this year for running backs. But probably him and him and Chris Street, who I believe uh, Oregon State has also offered at a mm-hmm. J-Star High School. But those are probably the top two backs for me right now in, in Southern California. Marshawn's a downhill guy, runs well. Um, probably a legit, you know, four or six guy, which is, which is fast. Uh, cause it's a, it's a real legit four or six time. Uh, I know a lot of everyone thinks they're four, 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 five, which <laughs> very few people are, yeah. but so he, he's got the ability to run away from a defense. He's a strong kid. Uh, I like him. I think Arizona was the team to beat. Uh, and then he loved, like I say, he loved the Wazoo visit. So Oregon state probably has to, you know, those are probably the two teams that are kind of competing for. And then with Stroud, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of multi-sport athletes, especially at the quarterback position. I think the NFL draft has shown that, that the guys that are, are drafted, all these guys that played multiple sports. Stroud is a really good basketball player, which, again, for me, man, I, I want my guys to be able to move around a little bit. The game is changing. You can't really have that, that pocket guy who can't move around and, and make people miss and extend plays. I think C.J. Stroud is a guy uh, who's still a little bit raw, uh, I think last year was like his first year really playing quarterback, but he had a, a really good year for Ranch, Ranch Cucamonga. They really ca- kind of came out, came out of nowhere, actually. Uh, they lost a ton of players to transfer. They said they're going to be down. Had a really strong year. Stroud, big kid, probably 6'2", 6'3". Uh, the arm strength is there. Uh, the athletic ability is there. Uh, really solid, you know, head on the shoulders, kind of natural leader. Again, all those intangibles that you want to see from a quarterback in terms of just being tough, uh, being, a, being an athlete, uh, being a leader. You know, he kind of checks off all those boxes. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about CJ. I think he would be, you know, I know Oregon State has, uh, has made him a priority. and I, I, I'm a big fan of the way he plays. And I, I think uh, if they – if he really does, uh, if he loves his visit this weekend, and they make a big impression, I think they got a, a really, really legit chance with him. When that'd be, that'd be huge. Absolutely, it would be huge, and I think because I did a, uh, you know, I I broke down his film. I think it was last week on our on our podcast. I mean, the kid just has. There's some there's some kids like you said that are, they kind of look like robots sometimes when they're sitting back at quarterback, right? They you know they do yep. everything right. They you know they basically get you what you need you know in, in terms of you know maybe if it's a hitch maybe if it's a, a post though they can put the ball in there uh, but there's just something about having a guy who's an absolute playmaker and has a little chip on his shoulder you know and when I was watching his film I could just tell that he kind of has that that next level oh okay he has kind of the it, it's hard to kind of describe basically the playmaking ability that he has but it's just the fact yeah. that 
whenever he, you know, he has the ball in his hands and say he leaves the pocket, you're like, you know, you kind of like sit up in your seat a little bit, right? You're like, oh, okay, here, let's see what he's about to do, right? And that's what I really yeah. like. And I think Oregon State has just really been, you know, lacking those kind of recruits because they bring guys in, and don't get me wrong, Jamar Jefferson is a great example of, you know, that next-level talent. But it's just been a while since we've had consistent, okay, look at this guy, holy cow, like put him in and kind of just let him go, right? Tell him to, you know, you're going to, you need to get the ball, I don't know, to the post. Okay, well, if someone's rushing in, they bring two or three defenders. He somehow, somehow escapes the pocket, throws across his body, and still gets the ball there. There's just something about that that just drives, you know, his teammates, and it'll just put them over the top, in my opinion, because that's what Marcus McMarion had my last season, especially when we beat the Ducks in that last game. That's what we saw, right? There was, bringing, there was pressure all over the place. Marcus somehow escaped the pocket, would throw a perfect pass, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field in between two or three defenders. It's just unreal, right? Those are the kind of things you want your quarterback to have because, like I said, you can get the robot guy who's going to do everything right. Yeah. But I would rather take the guy who's, you know, a big-time playmaker, maybe has a little learning to do, but he's an exciting player, and he's going to bring, you know, he's going to fill the fill the stadium because that's the kind of player that he is, and those are the kind of plays that he makes. Yeah, no, especially out here in Southern California, everybody's got a trainer, right? And you uh-huh. you, you, use, you use the word robotic, and I think that it, that's a great way to describe so many quarterbacks. They're, they're almost overtrained. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, just they're so mechanical. And, you know, just the drop, the release, it, it almost looks like it's too perfect where it's like, okay, now what happens if the play breaks down? Which, what, it happens like, what, 70% of the time the play's yeah. going to break down? Yeah, absolutely. Then, then, then what, right? And I think we saw that out here with, with USC. You know, Sam Darnold covered up so much mess mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, and then last year without Sam, you saw what happened. When you had a quarterback who couldn't extend plays. I mean, Sam was so good at that. You know, and, and, and again, I think I'm not comparing Sam and CJ, but again, Sam was a three-sport guy, a basketball player, a tough guy, mm-hmm. an athlete. He wasn't overtrained as a quarterback, so he, you kind of almost want those guys to just be able to go off of their instincts at times and just make a play. Mm-hmm. If that guy comes off the edge, make him miss. I don't care if you throw it sidearm. Get the ball to the receiver. Yeah. It doesn't have to look pretty. Just get the ball there. Yeah. Make <laughs> make a guy miss. Extend a play. I'm all about that. That's why I wouldn't recruit a guy nowadays. No matter the system, I would not recruit a quarterback who couldn't move. Yeah. I wouldn't recruit a statue who was just strictly just a pro-style guy. Mm-hmm. I'd only recruit a guy who could make and extend plays. Because for me, that's, that's football nowadays. Yeah. The yeah. defenses are so good, it's hard to protect. And if you, can't have a, if you don't have a guy who's back there can make plays and kind of improvise a little bit, um, I, 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 don't, I don't want you. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you just have a guy who's, like you said, a robot and – it's just going to be back there as an arm, then yeah, you're right. It's it's almost too hard for offensive coordinators to try to, to kind of work with something like that because you're right, 70, 70% of the time, and trust me, I would even say 90% of the time, <laughs> the plays are going to break down, man. And it, you have to have that quick instinct of, okay, this is not this is certainly not working. What am I going to do? Especially as, you know, for, for a good example of me as a running back, there's plenty of times where I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I need to go out and block this guy. And then I look and I run the you know I run the play and the guy's not even there to block. I was like whoa whoa whoa, <laughs> and so I just got to move on and try to find somebody to block. And that's you know that's just what you want. You want football players. You don't want robots. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, if you're at if you're at Alabama or Clemson, yeah, the prob- the play is probably going to be as designed. But how you know, not everybody is Alabama or Clemson. So for the rest of you know, for the rest of us, yeah, you got to be able to improvise a little bit. Absolutely, Greg. That's all we have for you, my man. You uh, you kind of just you know, we were we were shooting for we usually shoot for like five to ten minutes, but I was like, we we just got to let him go, man, because <laughs> because he's killing it right now. <laughs> Greg, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for yeah, hopping always on. Always good talking about me. You guys made it. You guys made it fun and easy for me. So uh, no, it was a pleasure. Anytime. All right, our next guest on the damn hotline is national recruiting editor Brandon Huffman. Brandon, thank you so much, my man, for being on. We appreciate it. How you doing? Hey. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, Adam, what do you uh, what do you got cooking for my man? Hey, so, you know, continuing on with our theme of the uh, spring game primer and who's kind of either been up to campus here throughout spring camp and who's coming up this weekend. Um, you know, there's a – Brandon, you're out of uh, Seattle basically or primarily, but you kind of oversee the Bay Area, NorCal, and really everything. So I was hoping you might be able to talk about a few of the local athletes who've already been to campus, Casey Filkins, Andy Alfieri, Sawyer Racanelli. Give some insight yeah. on them. So, you know, obviously with Casey Filkins, they were the first Pac-12 school to offer him. He's one of the more dynamic players in the Northwest and certainly in the state of Oregon, uh, the 6A player of the year, helping Lake Oswego win the state title. So he had been picking up some Mountain West schools, some Ivy League schools, but then Oregon State jumped in, gave him an offer shortly after Oregon offered. So there, he and Andy Alfieri are the only two players in the state of Oregon that have offers from both those schools. Uh, but Oregon State was the first to offer both of them. Obviously, They've got ties to Alfieri with his dad uh, being along with his older brother played there as well. But you know, with Filkins, it, it's a matter of you know, does he want to go and at Oregon State? He'd have a chance to probably get on the field early. Oregon recruited some guys similar to him in the last class, but I think he'd have a, a great opportunity to play at Oregon State. It really seems personality-wise like he meshes really well with with Michael Petrie, with, with Jonathan Smith, and his personality-wise, he, I, I think he'd be a guy that could really flourish at Oregon State. Alfieri, we have him as the number one player in the state of Oregon on 24-7 sports. Um, I think that you know he could play on either side of the ball. He could be a fullback, a power back, a play linebacker, a lot like Joey, his brother that was at Stanford was in high school. Um, I know that Stanford's looking at him as, as a fullback, but I think most schools liked him as a linebacker, and that's where I think he's best suited. So I think Oregon State's in a good spot with both of those guys. I, I do think that you know, if Stanford gets involved, there'll be a school he considers, but I don't think there's going to be as serious a consideration as you would expect as his brother just having played there, uh, partly because, you know, he wants to play defense in college. So Oregon State's in a good spot with both those guys. Sawyer Racanelli, they were in a great spot until his recruitment kind of blew up oh, in the last couple of weeks. The kid yeah, is a so- freak. Hey, this is, is this is Marcus's guy right here, Sawyer Racanelli. Oh yeah, I got I got to call his uh, high school state championship game. I got to call a couple games from this last year, and my goodness, I was like, is there a reason why this guy doesn't have any offers? And then as soon as I said that, after he finishes the first game, he gets all these offers. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, Oregon has to get him. Man, he's a freak. Yeah, and I think he, you know, he's a guy that I could probably make a compelling case that. He's the best Friday night football player in the state of Washington in what is a really good group in 2020 and 2021 in the state. I think he gets forgotten up in the Seattle area because he's down in Southwest Washington. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what he did to Archbishop Murphy in the first game of the season or the second game of the season, then what he did in the state championship game where, you know, you saw him, he just did it all. 
I don't think the guy came off the field, played quarterback, played linebacker, played receiver, just did it all and carried his team. And I, I always say like the, the highest compliment I can give a player is he's just a football player. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the guy that he may not be the sexiest player. He may not be the, the fastest, the flashiest. But if I'm playing a game on Friday night or I'm playing a game on Saturday afternoon, I want this guy on my team because he knows how to make plays when the plays need to be making. Uh, a guy that some schools like as a linebacker. I think he's a phenomenal receiver. I love him as a pure pass catcher. Um, you know, he's compared a lot to Cooper Cup. I, I think for uh, reasons that he's a small town, smaller town guy, smaller level player receiver. But I think he's a better all-around football player than, than Cooper Cup was at the same stage. And I think his recruitment is showing why schools like him now. They, they've seen the, his ability to play on both sides of the ball. So Oregon State got that early offering, but you know he's since a, added an offer from UCLA, Michigan, and Washington. And you know, that's when you're kind of getting big when Michigan comes out this way to offer a kid. And you know early on, they offered a lot of guys out this way, but they've been a little bit more d- diligent and deliberate in who they've offered out West the last couple of years under Harbaugh. They don't necessarily go to those small town places very often, but that's the kind of ability that I think Sawyer Racanelli has shown them to have. They mm-hmm. also like him as a linebacker. Yeah. How do you think uh, things kind of play out for Sawyer? I mean, have you talked to him about his decision time frame and official visits and that kind of stuff when he'd like to take those? Yeah, I actually just talked to him this week after he landed the Washington offer and he had visited Washington State and UCLA in the, in the last two weeks. And right now he's targeting you know, potentially early fall. Uh, he's hoping to take at least one visit this spring officially and then a couple in the fall so he can check out some game days. Um, I, I think he's going to end up with – you know probably six to eight more offers by the time the spring evaluation period's over. I think with schools coming to check him out and getting a chance to see him in person, seeing that he's every bit as big, the 6'3", that, that he's listed at, I think that's going to, you know, with with Washington offering him and, you know, and with Michigan offering him and some of these other programs, you know, Washington doesn't throw a lot of offers to in-state kids or kids, period, in Michigan, again, I think that's going to open the doors for a lot of schools out west and even some national programs to get into Vancouver and make that drive over to Hawkinson, check him out, and go see, and I think he could end up with more offers, and I think you'll end up seeing him take this process a little bit uh, further along, much like Darian Chase did a year ago. Mm-hmm. Out of Union, um, you know, ended up with more offers uh, as schools got a chance to see him and then decided, hey, I might as well take some visits and see, you know, which of these schools is the best fit for me. Definitely. So kind of shifting gears then as to uh, some of the prospects that we can expect to see here on Saturday in Corvallis. Um, You know, they're expecting a big defensive tackle out of the Bay Area, Jamar Sakona, and quarterback Jay Butterfield out of the Bay Area as well. And then some of the in-state linebackers and Junior Walling and uh, the Beaver commit, John Miller. Um, How do you see that kind of group? What what are your observations about them? I I think, you know, Jamar Sakona, he is – Probably, you know, top two or three defensive linemen in Northern California in this class. Uh, Oregon State was the first to offer him, and they did that, goodness, 15, 14, 15 months ago. I think it was early on, right after his sophomore year had ended. Um, and at that time, I think I, I want to say his teammate, the, the quarterback who ended up flipping from Oregon State to, uh, oh, Spencer Iowa. Petrus. I think it was. 
Central Tetris. You know, they they kind of were watching him and then got a chance to see Sakona. So they were the first ones to offer. He's since seen a, a number of Pac-12 offers come in. He just visited Nebraska last weekend. Uh, but he has mentioned before that he does like Oregon State. There's a lot of coaches there that have done a good job of recruiting him. Uh, that said, I think that, you know, they're, they're, they do have some ground to make up. I know he liked the Nebraska visit, Cal and UCLA, and the other two schools that have really been on his short list. Uh, so Oregon State's going to have their chance this week to impress him. And then obviously with Jay Butterfield, uh, you know, he's probably uh, his recruitment could really be interesting in these next few months as well, because with Bryce Young already committed in the 2020 class and DJ Ongalele committing in early May, Jay Butterfield's an under three quarterback out West. I would imagine that his recruitment will really start taking off this spring as again, more schools get to watch him throw, but as some more of the quarterback dominoes, start to, to play themselves out. Um, you know, so Oregon State, again, one of the earliest schools to offer him. He's interesting because his dad played at Stanford. He covets a Stanford offer, but Stanford already has Tanner McKee coming in, who they signed in the 2018 class, coming in as part of the 2020 class because he was serving his LDS mission. Butterfield said if, if Stanford offers him, he wouldn't hesitate to compete against McKee if that's the school he fits best. But, you know, will Stanford offer him or will they stand pat with McKee? So if they don't offer him, then that gives schools like Oregon State, Oregon, Cal a chance with Butterfield. Absolutely. Brandon, we want to thank you so much for hopping on, my man. What's up with these twenty four seven guys, man? They just they just they know their stuff. They huh? do. Hey, that's that's what makes twenty four seven the best, right? That's true. Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, man, we appreciate it so much, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Anytime. Hey, have thanks. a good day, my man. Perfect. Well, we want to thank Greg and Brandon for hopping on our uh podcast. We're certainly gonna have to get them on again because like my goodness, man! It's just those those people from twenty four seven sports, and I know I'm technically considered one of those people from twenty four seven sports, but uh, you know, I, I don't know if I they, know it like they know it. <laughs> they are a treasure trove, aren't they? Just a wealth of information. Yeah, it's crazy, man. But uh, you know, it it was good to have them on, and just kind of nice to have them talk about kind of the expectations, at least coming up for Oregon State, but. Um, Oregon State does have their spring game on Saturday, like we yeah. like we've said. So that's going to be something that's going to be exciting. Hopefully, um, <clears throat> you know, hopefully, it's it's probably not going to be packed. Let's be real. You yeah. know, it's it's a spring game. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because your best players aren't playing mm-hmm. most of the time, at least. So um, that's something to keep in mind. But it is Saturday at 11. eleven. I think is when things are supposed to start popping. Perfect. Um, All right. They do know, have a uniform reveal. Yeah, right. nine o'clock there in Valley, I do believe. I think it's going to be streamed. Perfect. I don't know. New uniform, so that's yeah. even better. Hopefully, they're looking good. And hopefully, we just got some nice weather. I mean, yes. that's all I'm looking forward to. Yes, I, I, you know, I don't know what the weather's supposed to be, but uh, since there's people listening, I'm going to say it's going to be good. So they yeah. show up. <laughs> as long as my house doesn't float away, because I was really nervous about that last <laughs> week. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, which was which was why I was. I happy live on I a hill. <laughs> I started building Noah's Ark. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Oh, man. Adam, do you have anything else to add for us, my man? Nah, man. Just uh, check us out in the lodge over at Beaver Blitz. Get Join the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know, it. It, was, it was a great episode today. Yeah, it I'm was really a great episode. It. It, was, it was a little longer, but uh, that's a good thing, right? Sometimes Dude. we, we got to do that. And, um, you know, this was fun. And next week on Thursday, we'll Let's be back it at again. it. Perfect. Yeah. Everybody, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host, Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. We'll be back next week.